Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome Ryan. Ryan works for a nonprofit for foster care children. He is from a Philadelphia suburb of Pennsylvania. Please welcome Ryan. Through going to these rooms and hearing stories like like from other people and their courage to talk about what what like all the things that we think are like oddities that you can't talk about with society, like I'm gay, I uh I'm a crystal meth addict, I have H I'm HIV positive, uh I had a whole list of STDs and like, these are things you just don't talk about, but by me talking about it and other people talking about it, then other, then it might become more allow people to bring it up in like common conversation or at least to close friends and family and understand it a little bit. Because I know I used to think I was invincible. Mm-hmm. Like I could have sex with anybody, do whatever I wanted. And I just was immune from getting HIV and I, and I never got tested. And it's because I just was, I didn't want to have to deal with if it really, if it, if I had it, I just didn't want to have to accept it. Uh, and in today's world, all the things you can do to prevent it is mm-hmm. just, uh, I mean, I, again, I don't regret it. I, I live with it now and I deal with it and I'm healthy. I'm doing well. And, um, but I was the guy that like would be on a social on grinder or something. And if someone said they were HIV positive, I'd block them. I didn't want to even let them hear or tell me anything about what undetectable was and uh, that it's okay. And, and people have their opinions. If you don't want to do anything with someone with HIV, then that's completely fine, but at least understand it a little bit, try to understand what the disease is and how to manage it a little bit. And then uh, maybe, maybe one day, well, I mean, people will just be smart enough to start taking prep. And like, I take a, right now I take a shot once every two months to keep me undetectable and safe. Mm -hmm. You know, how cool is that? Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, it's unbelievable what this, what the world's come to. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the, um, after the trauma, after I was in the trauma center at Jefferson, I was then 302'd um, into a psychiatric ward. I did not, not, not again, I know this stuff because of now I'm, it's a year later, but I was supposed to go to the psychiatric ward after Penn Hospital. Mm-hmm. That's where I, my next step was to go. And it sucks that people tell you this, but like my family did whatever they thought was they were going to do to protect me. Mm-hmm. And um, they would always tell me I'm coming home. Ryan, you're coming home tomorrow. And like, I didn't, obviously they're not going to say, Ryan, you're going to a psych ward tomorrow. I hope you're okay. And, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I was mad at them. I actually thought they 302'd me. That was what is even the fun. This ends up being kind of funny, but I thought my mom and dad 302'd me. Okay. Um, and lo and behold, it was the hospital that 302'd me. But uh, I did not know that when I was in the psych ward, my family came up to visit me and I was in, in the psych ward. I'll never forget. I was in the kitchen of the psych ward and I, um, my mom and dad were so cool. They would bring me Starbucks and, whatever kind of whatever I wanted 
pretty much anything yeah. to fat me up because like I said, it was 120 pounds and I probably didn't even, I didn't even look like myself. My uncle used to say like, Brian, we'd never thought you'd come back from this. Like, like I said, I, I was the guy that pulled out my hairs. I had no hair on my face. Yeah. Um, I, I picked at things. I was, I was a mess, mess. And my family brings all these little treats in for me to the psych ward. And all I could get, all I couldn't get my mind off the fact that they, I was like, you guys 302'd me. And I played the crazy card. I started screaming and everyone else started screaming around me until the point that the police escort my parents out of the psych ward. Um, they were like, I guess, disturbing, disturbing our surroundings too much. <laughs> so, it wasn't just me banging on this. It was everybody. Um, so they end up getting escorted out of there. Um, I spent about a little over a week in the psych ward. Um, at this point, like I said, I had the cast from my neck down to below my waist. I also had a walker to assist me in walking. Um, but I was pretty much like, I don't know. I couldn't really do too much. Let's put it that way. Um, it was a mess. But so after the psych ward, I, uh, then went, uh, I was supposed to go to rehab and I went to Eagleville hospital, Mm -hmm. um, which is a, just a local rehab around here, which I highly recommend if anyone's in this area, it was a really it was a great end up being a great experience still here, but I, um, this was just before, this was just before Thanksgiving, um, of 2022. So let's say like the 21st okay, or 20th, I went into rehab. Let's say that I don't know the exact dates, but I was there for three days. And during those three days, I, I was miserable. I, I, uh, I was shaky. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just didn't, I wanted out of there. I wanted out of there. Um, and I didn't have the best experience at first, but I don't think it, I really don't, I think it's cause I really just didn't, again, didn't want to be there. I wasn't giving it its all. Yeah. I wasn't making like realizing like, this is where I'm at right now. I just need to, I just needed to make the best of it. And that's, that wasn't, that wasn't even in my forefront at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't get along with people in the rehab, uh, but I also wasn't opening up to anyone. I was very like, don't talk to me. I'm in my own little corner. I barely left my bed. Um, and I got mad when people brought me my food. And that's another thing I, I, uh, one of the emotions that were in within me in the beginning was a lot of anger for no reason. Just, I, uh, I guess I hated myself, but I wanted to push the blame to everyone else, but myself, if that makes any sense. Um, again, this is our crazy thoughts because my mind still was not correct. I actually had, after I'd left rehab, I, after I went into rehab, I AMA'd and signed myself out after three days, two days before Thanksgiving, I went back down to center city from Eagleville. So I got on a, I got my, I called my homeless suitcase. They put all my clothes in a trash bag and I was on a walker and I, hobbled my way over to the bus and got on the bus and went down to center city again and um, didn't tell anyone I was doing it. I just went off and did what Ryan wanted to do once again. Um, this was a relapse. This is for now my own knock on wood. It's the, my one relapse I had, but I, this is what sparked everything was this relapse. Okay. Mm -hmm. I went back down the city. Um, I was there. I don't know, two, th I was there. Let's say I was, you got, I just remember I got the last time I got high was the 24th, which was Thanksgiving night. Um, so I was at some guy's random person's house. I, uh, 
I got high and I immediately went into this like psychosis. Like my mind just went nuts. And it's so crazy because like I didn't get the paranoia and all the uh, like negative effects that people talk about with especially crystal meth until the end. Like, yeah, the voices, the all these like the voices. I felt like I, I felt like my vision was going blurry. I felt like everybody was talking about me. And um, it was just wild. It was insane. And I don't know if it's just because the drugs are not what they are anymore. That was a, that was another scary thing in the hospital was getting my toxology report. I thought they were giving me Percocets to deal with my back uh, at the point. But I it was really just because there was so much fentanyl in the drugs that I was using that my, I was yeah. going through like this physical withdrawal. It was awful. Um, but yeah, so I got I got high again and. Um, the second I got high, I I was so paranoid and just out of my mind that the people I was with told me to leave. They said, you got to get out of here. Um, like, you're too much, blah, blah, blah. And I hobbled around the city with my walker. Um, I put my clothes. I used to hide in, like, um, like I said, rooftops and, and, like, hallways of Airbnbs. I threw my clothes in one of these uh, hallways at this Airbnb. And I continued to walk around in the walker around Center City. And it's so crazy because in Center City, you see, I see you see people out on the streets, and I and I would joke about it the last five years, like how does this person end up like this? Like they're in a cast and a in a wheelchair, and like like what the hell happened to them? I can't like what did they just drop them off there? And it's like I became one of these people, like uh they they say like you say like the not yet's like you like you. Like, oh, I'm not, I've never been homeless. Not yet. I haven't gone to jail yet. I haven't, like, this hasn't happened to me. And uh, I became one of these people on the streets. Like, uh, it was awful. And um, that night I, uh, I spent Thanksgiving in this hallway of an Airbnb after I tried to go to the ER again and um, check myself in and they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't, they didn't keep me long once they like evaluated me. Um, there was nothing they could really do for me. And they end up releasing me from the emergency room. And, uh, I'll never, this is the, where it all sunk in. I, um, I'll never forget. I was walking on the side of Macy's in center city, um, and down the alleyway and, uh, in the Walker and just so shook. I had no phone. I was so dehydrated and, uh, I never felt this like uns like idea of being so unsafe in, like my entire five years of being down there. I never said I don't feel safe. And um I felt like somebody was just gonna come up and croak me in the back and just be done, me be done. And um two blocks up is the courthouse in Center City. I I walked into the courthouse of Center City, uh probably 20 cops inside there. And look, imagine this, I'm like strung out the walker and i probably have a warrant for my arrest in philadelphia and i walk into this courtroom this uh the lobby of a courthouse police officers everywhere and one police officer everyone looked at me like i was crazy but one police officer came up to me uh i never say his name correctly officer duprecchio uh <laughs> and i never say it correct he laughed when i would say his name and uh this guy came up and asked what was wrong with me. I, I, I guess this is another one of my angels in my life. Like, yeah. um, this guy was awesome. Like he didn't, did not have, he could have 
they could have ran my name and never even asked my name. If he asked my name and they would look me up, I would probably would have been thrown in jail. Um, but he brought me water bottles. Let me use his phone. Let me call my brother. Um, my brother, I begged him to get me an Uber because the last thing I wanted to do was sit in this courtroom, right? Um, and I begged him to get me an Uber and he said, no, just fucking wait. Like, sorry for cursing. He always said, just, just, he would always, that was like his tough love he would give me all the time. Um, he's like, just wait, just wait. And this police officer literally took my brother about three hours to get there. Um, this police officer sat with me those whole three hours in the courtroom. He actually walked me to my brother's car. Um, and I try, I'll never forget it. That's why I have this Eagles hat on. I tried giving him my Eagles hat. And he was like, now you got to keep that. He's like, I would have never talked to you if you weren't wearing the Eagles hat. I don't know. People in Philadelphia are crazy about their sports. Um, I rock all the gear, but I don't really know much about them. About the <laughs> but uh, um, I'll never forget that. Yeah, he, he told me to keep the hat. And I end up going back to re my brother takes me back. Can't go right into rehab. I had to go to the ER again and get get admitted to the um to the rehab. And in the rehab, I went back to Eagleville. So this was four days later. I'm back in Eagleville. And um, and um, I made I just made the best of it. It was like a it was, again, like another 180. Uh, I went into rehab and I accepted it. And it was not easy for me to go back to rehab. Even when my parents dropped me off to rehab, the second they like got back in their car, I came hobbling out with my walker trying to like walk out the gate of the rehab. Mm -hmm. And it I, it was it was bad it took me a couple times of in and out of that door to actually go and make the best of this rehab experience and uh at this point is um i i gave in i took the suggestions people talk about suggestions all the time in this program and that could be like one of my best advice i'd give to somebody is just listen to what other people gotta say listen to the suggestions because I don't know, especially if you like something that they like something in them, whatever it might be, just uh, just listen to them, mm -hmm. just listen to them. Um, and I did. I, I I went to rehab. I made the best of it. I went to my first AA meeting that night. I was admitted on a Monday and I'll never forget this. Another this is like another angel in my life. Um, I was like 20 minutes late to the meeting. I was uh, coming down into the auditorium area where they hosted the AA and NA meetings, which were not mandatory. It was not a mandatory, like we had group meetings and stuff like that, things you have to do in rehab. Yeah. I found like doing like the AA meetings and the yoga, the extracurriculars, those were a lot more rewarding than what the, like the outlined experience of a rehab was like mm -hmm. doing the extra things. Cause these people that were there wanted to be there. So there were, I got a lot out of it, um, out of the people that were in those, those rooms, especially this AA room. I'll never forget the speaker, this guy named DS. That's the initials DS. Uh, <laughs> he has a whole funny story about his name, but this guy, I'll never, he gets up out of the seat and he like, he walks me into the auditorium and he makes me feel welcome. Right. He, uh, he stopped, like just stopped what he was doing just to say, just to like welcome me into the room and make me, make me make sure I was comfortable. And, um, another just like true act of kindness that I experienced. And, um, yeah, that was at eight o'clock at night. And it was just a nice way to close my evening every night with an AA meeting or an NA meeting. And uh, these people made me feel good. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, they made me feel sometimes I didn't have to talk or say anything. I just had to go there and listen. And it helped.
so much. It helped. It made that rehab experience from like the terror that I thought it was literally one week before to this, like, I, I like loved it. I remember like looking out my window and being like, so happy to be at this place. I was safe, like safe, finally felt safe. And that's something like, I don't know. I take for granted. Like I, I, I talk about how I came from a good family and I, I came from like a good area, but it's not, that's not to like throw in people's faces. It's more to show like anybody can end up where I ended up on this, like on the side of a road, picking cigarette butts off the street of Philadelphia mm -hmm. in and out of jails. Like it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. This, the disease, the disease of addiction does not discriminate, does not discriminate by, by any means. It'll, it'll, it'll take everything from you. And, um, yeah, I made the best of this rehab experience. It was, it was, um, it was an eye-opening experience. I loved my counselors. I loved my yoga teacher. Uh, I still email back and forth with them. My yoga teacher got me, I read these prayer books every morning. I, uh, she got me on this notes of the universe and uh, it's they're really funny if you ever get a chance. It's like a daily reflection, but it's like little hints from the universe. And sometimes they're funny, like mm -hmm. the, the things that they say at the end. And they'll be like, by the way, the universe wants to tell you have a nice butt. Like it just says like these little funny, <laughs> I love that little funny things at the end. And they just make you laugh because that. Yeah, that's another thing I love in, in sobriety. I, I learned to laugh and smile as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I, that's a gift. That's truly a gift. Um, so after rehab, I, uh, I continue to take suggestions. I, um, I thought my family again was telling me, Ryan, you're coming home after rehab. You're going to, you get to come home. And, but yet my brother was like, now nah, you're going to a recovery house. You're doing this, you're doing, and I didn't want to listen to him. So what did my like ego driven mind do? I, I decided I have to interview recovery houses while I'm in rehab, just crazy thinking. So I had to call around to different recovery houses and like, vet them out and decide which one I Ryan wanted to go to. I had to continue to run the show from in, inside the walls. And uh, like I said, I'm working on this, taming back my ego. That's mm -hmm. something this program's taught me too. Ego is something that never, ever goes away. Uh, we call it, ego. Uh, they say ego deflation. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like to say it's like ego evolving because like, again, it doesn't go away. It just transforms. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, uh, I had to interview these rehabs and go figure the one I liked the most end up being the one my brother had set up for me to go to from the beginning. It was called sunlight of the spirit house. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is like another hint from the AA book. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I end up going to sunlight of the spirit just before Christmas Eve. I got to go there. And, um, that was, that was again just another stepping stone in my my journey of recovery. Uh, I'll I'll admit I was I was not a good fit in a recovery. I I didn't I just didn't like the recovery like the setting of it. Uh -huh. I liked the idea of the camaraderie and what you gained from the recovery house. I uh, I'm just a pain in the butt with any any kind of roommate. <laughs> and I really am. It's really a me thing. In the end, it's it, it doesn't end up being anybody else's fault. This is just a me thing. Um, but I, I did, I, I stuck it, I stuck it out for a little over two months. You know, I met some amazing people in this. This is like what jumpstarted my recovery because like, come to find out a year later, like the rehab experience and getting sober might've been probably the easier part of everything. It's like coming back into the real world. 
-hmm. and feeling like I have to be spoon fed back into reality. And I used to like think it was demeaning at first in the beginning and uh, I was very introverted and I didn't want the help from people. I thought Ryan can do whatever, Ryan, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go back to this life I had six years ago and it's just everything's going to be perfect. Well, it's not. It, 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 it's, it, it's not like that. Everything just doesn't come back. You got to work for it like this. It's they say at the end of the thing, work, work, work. Like you truly got to work for this. And, um, I've learned from like going to meetings that people will say like, bring your body, your mind will follow. And I truly, truly believe in that little saying, all the little sayings you hear in the, in the recovery rooms that make you roll your eyes when you hear them, they end up becoming true. And I feel good when I say them, when I talk about them, but like bring your body, your mind will follow. Uh, unbelievable they don't tell you when your mind will follow they don't tell you when they don't tell you when the magic happens or when your spiritual experience is going to hit but it happens i promise you it happens after the recovery like while being in the recovery house is when like i just got very immersed in the fellowship of aa that's where everything kind of aa is like my framework is the way i describe it aa the people in the rooms of aa people aa has all towards sorts of um People have all sorts of things to say about everything, right? Yeah. Um, AA, I needed the strictness and I needed the what they call the long timers in the meetings to tell me, like to teach me pro like kind of etiquette of a meeting and how to act. And uh, it was just an amazing, it, it ends up being amazing. Like the sayings that you want to roll your eyes at. I rolled my eyes at so many when they told me to put my phone away or they some some guy said, you need something to do you can make coffee like these little like they call it uh this girl my i'm in young people of aa she uh -huh. calls it a voluntold someone's gonna volunteer you and they're gonna tell you to do something in the same in the same sentence so it's not yeah. like hey do you want to make some coffee it's like well you have nothing to do you're gonna do this for three months and once you learn how to do it once you become really good at it uh -huh. then you got to give it to somebody else because then you're robbing someone else of the experience of this learning experience yeah um like I said, I was in Young People of AA. I, I learned to chair meetings. Uh, I, uh, I'm i a service chair for Young People of AA. And like like the coffee commitment, once I actually figure it, like people say, you're going to be the service chair. And I'm like, what the heck is a service chair? Or what is a GSR? Right. I, I got, I'm a GSR for my uh, home group. And it's like, this. once you, once you finally get like the layout and you feel comfortable doing it, just give it to somebody else. Let pass it on to the next person. Uh, when your term is up, some things have terms like 12 months, like, uh, I don't know. We're in a, we're addicts. We like to feel good about ourselves. So we put some, <laughs> make it feel like it's some kind of, um, like a presidency election. Type. Right. <laughs> um, position of power. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's what we learned too in AA. Like the most valuable thing is it truly is the, the newcomer, the person that's just walking in fresh. Mm -hmm. They, uh, they remind the people that are new, remind me of, um, of what it was like. And, um, I still think, I still say I'm new. I hope I can be new forever. I hope I ride the pink cloud. Like people talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I just, after, after the whole recovery house experience, I just dove in, I've dove like dove into recovery in general. I, uh, uh, young people of AA had, got me to do what I was not comfortable doing. I hated 
Young People of AA is young at heart, by the way. It's nothing to do with your age. Um, they just are young people in sobriety that have fun is yeah. the way I describe it. They do. They truly have fun. We we I've gone to cut four conferences for young people, Syracuse, Boston, uh Philadelphia, um, well, Bucks County, um, Virginia, West Virginia, all over for young people of AA. My county's hosting the conference this uh this June, Montgomery County for Pennsylvania. Um, so we uh, outreach and go to all the other wipeout conferences just to show support and to bring people to our conferences, show what we do. Um, and um, I don't know. We, yeah, we have lots of, we just have fun in, the, in that. Every Friday, we I know it sounds, it might sound boring, but we go we go to the diner every Friday night. Who would have thought a Friday night on 10 o'clock at night, right. I'd be going to a little diner yeah. behind it's literally behind a bar that I used to go to too. It's like, who would have thought I would be here? Right. 30, I'm 34. Who would have thought, but um, I do. And I like it again. It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. And uh, that's all I can. That's like really something I look forward to every day is laughing and smiling. Yeah. Cause I didn't do that for so long. <laughs> I did not do that on the street. And um, I like it. I like, I've learned to like, like myself now when I was on the street, I, I couldn't even look in a mirror. I hated, I hated what I saw in the mirror. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. So, and, um, by doing recovery, I found like, uh, this past August, I found crystal meth anonymous, which mm -hmm. is just another 12 step fellowship. Yeah. Uh, who would, I never thought it existed. Some guy took me to a cocaine anonymous meeting and I was like, you know what? There's probably crystal meth anonymous. Mm -hmm. And, Lo and behold, there is. Yeah. And uh, not only that, they're LGBTQ. Yeah. Who would have thought? My brother laughs. He's like, you really found your, your people. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little piece of the pie, right? Um, Yeah, and, I, and that this fellowship, I've dove into this too. Like I I now do, I'm the activities chair for William Way Center in, in Philadelphia. So I do the activities. Uh, we have uh, we host two activities a month. Uh, our first one's going. We're going ice skating at the end of the month. Oh, I cool. definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going ice skating on the waterfront. Um, it'll be fun, and it's before a business meeting. So then, hopefully, we can get some more people to check out our business meetings. And our motto: There's uh, this guy Jason in the in the these meetings. I love this guy. He's got so much energy. I have to follow up after him. He's been doing it for five years, so it's going to be like a tough act to follow. But he always says, just effing show up. That's like the motto with the William Way Center. And I love out of all the 12-step fellowships, I've never heard of this. We don't all things cost money, right? To go do fun things. Yeah. With William Ways, we just say just effing show up. We raise money to we just want the you just bring your body that's all you got to do if, if there's any issues with funds um at all they just want you to come and have fun that's really the but that's the, that's that's all it is and in that that's a that's a pretty cool thing because i don't know in the beginning of beginning when i first came out um into recovery and people were going to the diners and going out to eat i uh I owe a lot of thanks to those people that treated me to McDonald's and treated me and brought, gave me rides places and like all the little things I did not have the finances for. Yeah. It's it's hard to ask for things like that. So I just, I love that. I, I've grown to love this fellowship even more. And 
I, like I said, AA was my framework. I, uh, I get to bring a lot of the things that I've learned in AA to CMA. Like uh, yeah. CMA is newer, you know, and it does it. I'll be honest. It lacks a lot. It lacks structure, but that's what's cool about that's what's the beauty about being part of the fellowship is I guess I'm kind of like growing with it and yeah. uh, becoming a part of it. And um, I don't know. In the end, it makes me feel good. This is like they always say it's a selfish program and it's but it's also selfless. Like you want to help other people to help yourself. And yeah. it can be confusing at times, but it's it is a beautiful process. It really is. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. You have gone through some crazy things and to come out and be so articulate about what you've gone through is really, truly amazing. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Yeah. That's, um, it sounds similar. I mean, I'm, I do sober gay Sunday in Boston, which is an event, you know, event organization that we just want to have fun. Like I came out of my addiction and just, I had been through some of the AA programs because of like some drunk driving um, convictions that I gotten. And I just didn't feel the fun. Yeah. And, I really, really, you know, trying to bring that into the recovery space in Boston. And so to hear that you're doing something similar is kind of cool. I mean, if you, if you could take your, your group to, to any event, what would you do? Like, what would be the, the ideal kind of like fun, fun event? That's, it's funny you ask that. Cause I, we had, um, like I said, I have to follow Jason, this guy, a tough act to follow. So, uh, I, uh, and we wanted to add service positions. So I decided let's have a little committee no time requirement. Let's get a couple more people involved to help me um, throw on some good activities. And we were looking them up and I, and there's a lot of cool things to do in Philadelphia. I'm really surprised that I'll also like, I, I ran around in a 10 block radius for five years and had no idea all the beautiful things you can do, but yeah. I thought it sounded like the best. It's called a rage room. Have you ever heard of these? A rage room. I have not heard of that. You go to the, I was reading about it and I want to do it. You go, you go to the group. And uh, it's just a big room of things that you can break. And it's like, yeah. And uh, check it, look it up. It looks cool. And you can like reserve certain things. Like if you want to smash a TV. And I know, again, it sounds like I got a lot of anger, but it it's a cool thing <laughs> to like, just let it, it'll be like, just, I watch videos on it. Like just to like, let it out and it'll be funny. Right. Yeah. Like I can't imagine. I feel like you'd get a lot out of it um that's something I, yeah i think it sounds cool and it would be fun that's what i would like to do that's like that's me. a really good answer i love that yeah we did um we did axe throwing for the first my first event back two years ago um we did axe throwing so cool. there was uh, that was really fun that was really fun and we've done um we did also did soft arrow archery where we like had these like full bow and arrows with with like big mats at the end of them, like big foam, like marshmallows, essentially. And we shot each other. It was like this whole thing. That, that is cool. Fun. But Rage Room, I've never heard of that. I wonder if we have one here in Boston. That sounds amazing. I'm sure they do. Yeah, we're going uh, uh, well, with a couple, we're with Hope on Gerard. It's another like big uh, recovery fellowship in Philly. Uh -huh. We're all going tubing in in February. Oh, cool. Like, uh, last summer, we went... Uh, tubing down the Delaware river. That was a fun trip. Oh, wow. It was a lot. Like so many people went to that too. We all went to six flags. Um, six flags does like a, uh, gay days. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yeah, of course. Of course we have that. I think we have that. Yeah. We have that in Massachusetts too, but I also have been to gay days in Disney. So I, I know what oh, that cool. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. It's a learning experience, but it's fun. It gets me to do something. 
Mm-hmm. I, uh, I work for a nonprofit right now. It's like, uh, for foster care children. Oh, wow. That's all I pretty, I do that only once it's only once or twice a week. So it's nice to do the events for William ways also just to give me something more to do. Yeah. But, um, the foster care thing is pretty cool. Uh, the lady who owns this is an interior designer mm-hmm. and, uh, she collects, so we collect furniture. We collect anything you want to throw away except uh-huh. for beds and clothes. And we'll, we have volunteers coming on Wednesdays and we refurbish the, the uh, furniture, the couches. Some people reupholster, some people paint. And uh, the things that are too heavy are, are like antiques we'll sell in a showroom. And uh, all the extras, we, people apply for a program that she, that she sponsors uh, for anyone over the age of 18 that like a lot large percentage of um, foster care kids go homeless at age 18. Yeah. So she helped, they get an apartment and she'll come in and fully furnish their brand new apartment or home with all the donated stuff that we, that we get. Then the proceeds from the floor, let us buy them brand new beds and um, kitchen appliances. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Like I, going from working in an office nine to five, mm-hmm forever i hated that and i honestly that was one thing i was so fearful of going back to is just like the everyday routine of a nine to five and i'm trying to find my niche in like my wherever i'm going to go next whatever i'm doing for my in my future and i i I don't know this program's got me to trust that whatever it'll happen it will happen i just gotta let it happen um keep doing what i'm doing as long as i stay sober and keep my mind uh driven i don't know uh, go to meetings. Like I said, bring your body. Something's going to happen. Uh, I really believe in that today. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you nailed it. I mean, this, what you're doing and everything you've gone through and how you're paying it forward is really incredible. Um, if people want to find you on social media and where, where can they find you? Um, my Instagram name is, uh, you just search R Barlieb. So it's my first initial last name, R B A R. L I E B. And then um, I guess on Facebook, it's Ryan Joseph Barley. If you want to find me on Facebook. Yeah. I'm a, I'm pretty much an open book to if somebody wants my phone number as somebody to talk to. I'm always just shoot me a message. I would love to talk to you. Yeah. I'm on a lot of zoom meetings too, constantly now. So uh, I think I have five doing five chairing five meetings a week this month three in-person, two Zoom meetings. So I'm I'm out there doing whatever. <laughs> incredible. That's really amazing. So I'd like to like thank you so much for being part of this podcast. This has been really incredible. And um, everything you, you spoke about, I'm sure will touch a lot of people and really connect people with your story. It's really fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me share my story. I appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> thank you for tuning into the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at SoberGaySunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay sober, guys. I'm so sick of small talk and tell me something you're